What's up, everybody? This is Noah Kinsey. And Jonesy. And you're listening to the UFR Podcast. Roll it. Welcome back for Upon Further Review, episode 46. Ow, ow, ow. This week, wow. we're talking about the 1957 classic 12 Angry Men. I'm so angry. So angry. Well, well, what what was your overall thought on this, Gary? Uh, my overall thought was I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Surprisingly. Um, I got introduced to Sidney Lumet. Who's the director? Mm-hmm. This is uh, his first feature film. First feature film. Um, I got introduced to him after I watched uh, Before the no- the Devil Knows You're Dead. And then I was like, damn, this is such a good fucking mm-hmm. like thriller crime, you know, crime thriller. So then I started watching more of his other stuff. And we were supposed to study 12 Angry Men while we were in school, but I ditched a lot and I'm pretty sure I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I enjoyed it, man. I mm-hmm. thought I was a little curious how it was going to be just based on that opening shot because, like, it moves so slow. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's going to be all done in one room. It's going to blah, blah, blah. But you know what, man? It really kept my um, mm-hmm. kept me engaged throughout the whole thing. So I was like, hell yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I've seen it before. Uh-huh. And I also saw the one starring Jack Lemon. They had um, another one? That was a remake. <laughs> He With played the, same the Henry, director or somebody else. Somebody else. Oh, okay. It was just a remake. Uh, they, he, Jack Lemmon played the Henry Fonda character. Okay. Um, and I. That's an interesting. I mean, how did he? How did he do in that particular? Very subtle. Very good. Very yeah. serious. Very. I just always think soft-spoken John, but authoritative. I always think like John Lemmon's like uh, twelve or about the grumpy old man. Yeah, because he's yeah. he's such a comedian. Yeah, I mean. He, I Jack s- Lemon. Jack. Jack Lemon. Jack. What did I say? I said John Lemon. My bad. I think I said John too. You son of a bitch. Yeah. Get it right or pay the price. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, he he. You know, used the element that is very like a you know likable factor. Uh-huh. He used that, but he didn't have the neuroses uh-huh. that he does, which is ironic because uh, Felix Unger was in this one oh. from the Odd Couple. Interesting. You know, he's the. Uh, the juror who I can't even think the one that they initially thought changed his vote and it wasn't him. Ah, uh, yeah. What number was that? Uh, five, three, four, five. Maybe? Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking about the table. I'm like, one, uh-huh. two, three, I think it was four, five. five. Yeah. Yeah. So he played, uh, Oscar or okay. he played like the, the slobby one and in, uh-huh. in the odd couple. Ah, how funny. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting connection there. Nice. So you, so you, I thought it was okay. You thought it was just okay. Uh, I, I needed to go. After watching it, like I needed to go to the trivia to appreciate it, but even uh-huh. then, I didn't really get much. I think it's good. It's a really good character study. It's really good for script writing. Sure, it kind of I thought it was interesting. It reverse engineers the situation, the reason that they're there. So very yeah. little factual. Instead of without showing you the crime, it little by little like peels back the layers of the facts. And I thought mm-hmm. it's really well written. You can tell it's a stage play. All right. Um, really well written, really well acted. It's very much a character study. Yes, very um, much so. For like the conflicts and the dynamics and all the stuff. But other than that, it kind of left me wanting. After watching a lot of the stuff we're watching, I guess I I know that it's really well done, and I think if I'm assuming it's on the list because of the writing. 
Uh, I think it's on the list for a couple of different things, personally. I mean, the writing, for sure, I think works extremely well. Um, I the, the cinematography is phenomenal, man. Yeah, it's interesting how the, it started uh, from, like, high up, and as it went... I had to read this in the trivia. I didn't really realize it, but as it went, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter to be more of the claustrophobic feel. Right. right. And you know, that's you know, with them kind Which of getting on top of each other, you yeah. know, Sidney LeMay, everybody's giving him shit about, uh, you know, why, why are you going to do this? You're going to do it in one room and da, 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 and all this stuff. And he was just like, well, yeah, I guess. This Cause is this is on TV first. This is a TV movie two right. years previous. Right. And uh, most of those actors came back for the, th- theatrical version which is interesting i think that's cool though man i mean they're already kind of practiced you know and um i think you know with lumet kind of coming at it from a point of view of um is it lumet or lumet i I, i've heard lumet i've heard lumet tomato fucking tomato i don't know i watched a documentary on the guy everybody called him lumet so i was like "Eh, maybe that's somebody the motherfucker said anyway you know, he he looked at this thing. He's like, "Well, the how do we bring um, visuals to a a movie that is basically a bunch of people talking? Yeah. You know, how do I how do you stage it? How do you shoot it? How do you create a sense of um, anxiety or you know excitement or calm? You know what I mean? They're because they're all so on top of each other. And basically, it's like a really great study in like using focal length within a scene that allows you him uh, using it. You know, to compressing the background. You know, you using longer lenses and then tighter shots, compressing the background. So now, as you watch the movie, the the walls are becoming closer mm. and closer and closer as the tension rises in the room. Right. As it gets hotter and hotter, you know, which I thought from a written standpoint is really great because, again, coming from being a stage play, you know, you you can't see visuals that way. So I think they used a really good device with the heat being the thing. It's getting hotter and hotter and hotter and escalating and escalating. And it's kind of like a, uh, you know, an audible cue, I think, within the dialogue that added a nice element. And, And Sydney was able to kind of figure that out. And use yeah. that within the camera, which I thought was really great. And it's cinematographer phenomenal, man. I was just like, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, a lot of the top lighting and the just the lighting in general is great. You know, the, their budget was so small that every time they set up um, the lighting in a certain area, they had to film all of those scenes there before moving it. Jesus. So that's good on the actors to be able to jump around all the like yeah, and different keeping scenes, that, scenes. You know, being that heavily into a moment, you know, because it's a it's I mean it's intense. Yeah. You know, it's a it's an intense story. Um and I feel that uh that must be I mean, you know, good on those actors, man, because it must be difficult to actually, you know, shoot you know, and two remember of where a page you, you and were emotionally. Fucking, yeah, and then go, you know, and shoot, you know, the other side of the page mm-hmm. and all this type of stuff. I'm just like, fuck, man, that's actually <laughs> good shit, man. Yeah. It's good um, directing, too, to be yeah. on top of that. Be like, no, 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 you're madder at this point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Remember, exactly. this is where you're at. It's like, right. oh, my bad. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's such... Well, that's the, probably the other reason. Too. That's what I'm going to say. It's probably the other reason why they used them from the actual sh- uh, TV show. Because they already knew most of their beats, and then mm-hmm. it's just now, you know, funneling it into the rhythm of yeah. of what the director wants within the scene, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is actually kind of cool. So it uh, was up for three Oscars and lost all three to the Bridge on the River Kwai. 
Oh, really? Uh-huh. Well. Um, it did not financially do well whatsoever. Yeah. And Henry Fonda uh, was a little sour. He thought that they, the way they released it was too in too big of theaters, uh-huh. where he said it's really for smaller theaters. And right. he, he felt um, he was a producer on this. Mm-hmm. They asked him to be a producer, and he actually took a deferred salary for this. Right. But since it didn't make any money, he didn't get anything for it. Oh, he didn't get any of his deferred salary. But- he loved it so much, Henry did, that um, he says it's still in the top three movies he's ever done. Mm, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. No, not at all. And also, I mean, you know, he he worked with Sydney again, mm-hmm. you know, over his Oh, he's the one that and... wanted him in this. Mm-hmm. He's the one that got Sydney this job. Oh, was he? Yeah. Nice. He's the one that wanted him as part of it. And the, the production company wanted Henry to be a producer. But for some reason, the producing this, and maybe it's because of the releasing, soured him so much that this is the only thing he ever produced. He didn't want to do it again. Oh shit! He's like, I'm done. Like, no, I'm done. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I man. thought it was interesting because they're all white men, right? So I thought it was interesting. How do you differentiate these guys, especially mm-hmm. in black and white, all white dudes? And besides the age, you also had a lot of different. You had the guy that sounded like he had helium in his voice, mm-hmm. and then you know, and then you had the gruff guy, right? What are we doing? And yeah, the two of them that were just always, what are we doing? I was so angry. Yeah, always grunting. I mean, but there was also the the Spanish guy. Was he Spanish or Italian? Spanish. I don't remember. Number eleven, uh, twelve. Nope, not twelve. Uh, what number was he? Eleven. Yeah. The 11th chair, you know, he was, he was the one that, uh, that got at number six about, um, about changing his vote just because he wanted to get the hell out of there to Mm. go to the baseball game. Yeah. Right. And he's just like, no, you can't just change your vote because you want to get the hell out of here to go to a baseball game, you know? Um, you know, one thing that I really, I think the thing that I really loved about this movie is a really great study in, um, really knowing who you are and not being pulled one way over the sure. other and something that you really honestly believe in, you know yeah, what I mean? And, and I thought it was interesting that every single time someone changed their vote, it was for a different reason. Right. Because it's kind of like, you know, when it comes to personalities and perspectives and opinions, a lot of that's based on your own personal life experience. Right. So a, in a lot of what, makes sense to you out in the world is based on like is informed by where you come from totally so the fact that all of these had to be for different reasons it's like okay something in their past life or you know in their past or something about their life that finally clicked yeah well and everybody had a card in their pocket which i thought was really interesting um you know, you have the the guy that was like the trash man, basically. Yeah. You know, he he grew up on the wrong side of the tracks yep. and, you know, it was really gritty. And he came at the conversation about the knife. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he would never open up a switchblade that way. He never stabbed down that way. He wouldn't even have time to go through that that particular move, which awesome, you know, or um, <coughs> the guy with the glasses. He takes his glasses with off the, with, with the, the ridges with the ridges on the nose and the old man kind of noticed Nobody goes to bed it. with their glasses on their face. Yeah. Um, Never. He, um, yeah, it was really interesting that everybody kind of had their 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 thing, you know what I mean? And they were like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. My favorite, though, is obviously um, juror, or, uh, juror number three. Who was the one that was the angriest one out of all yeah, of them? The you one know, that who took the, the longest biggest... to turn. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. That I, he helps with I the love... coat at the end. Is that mm-hmm. that one? Yeah, yeah. And I love that guy's character because 
It's so interesting that you... What's the matter with all you guys? (laughs) You can't just change your vote. He's guilty. Right. Um... He's uh, he's an interesting character, in my opinion, only because he was coming at this thing be, uh, after a huge fight that he's had with his kid, mm. you know, and he's uh, he's annoyed and he's heartbroken. You know, I feel like he's more heartbroken than anything else. And it's a way for him to get back. You at know, his he's son. going home sleeping with one eye open. No, not even or that. saying like, I love you so much. Please don't kill me. Well, he hasn't seen <laughs> his son. He didn't see He hasn't seen his son in two years right after the, the incident, yeah. you know? And I think all he really wants is his son to come back home. But realizing that like he gave everything to that kid ultimately for him to kind of push him down and be yeah. stronger than who he is within, you know, within reason and all that stuff. So it's like in some weird way, it's like his, him putting this kid in the chair is a way for him to get back at his son sure. in his mind in some yeah. sadistic type yeah. of way, you know? And I feel that, um, that arc is so powerful because everybody in there, you know, everybody kind of had like a mini, mini arc. Mm-hmm. I feel, you know, they're kind of switching their, their minds or whatever, but his particular arc, I just was like, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that. My yeah. favorite is, you know, he's he's basically telling him, you know, you're wrong, you're wrong, you know, like, come on, any one of you should see it. It's wrong. And then the basically he tells him, just like, what, you just want to put this guy in the in the chair because uh, you just want to see him burn just because, you know, you're you're ridiculous. You basically, he's like, you're a sadist, you know, and he gets all crazy and he's just like, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. And my favorite thing that <coughs> Henry Fonda was just like, do you really mean that? That you'll kill me, and then right away he had that upper yep. hand on him. It's you know like, what I mean? Oh, fuck, touche. Gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it's such a it's such a great great turning point mm-hmm. within that story, in my opinion. Um, so each one of them, I was really, I really enjoyed. Like I really liked how we ended up developing the characters through totally. the conversation. I really enjoyed how we were able to visualize the crime. Right. Oh, we, totally. I felt like we were in that courtroom, <clears throat> like we were in that room and the entire film feels like it's in real time. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like, you, you know, you, they're compressing time very much throughout the story. I feel like, you know, we were they were in there for an hour and a half. Yeah, we were with them for an hour and a half. And they had this conversation by the very, you know, this um uh, verdict, if you will, by the very end of it. Now, do you feel like the verdict was that the kid was guilty? By the very end, I mean, not guilty, like everybody's totally. on the same page by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading that some people were just like, how oh, they kind of left open. I'm like, I don't fucking no. see how anybody left that. There open. was so much reasonable doubt in the yeah, whole thing. Totally. So I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. To me. I think everything pointed to the fact that he was innocent. Right. Right. But I want to know who did it. <laughs> it was kind of mustard in the basement with the monkey wrench. Yeah. So I had to be a foreman once. Oh, did you? Yeah. It wasn't a great experience. It was... Uh, was it boring? No, I didn't want to be the foreman. Oh. I went for jury duty, and they, we didn't even pick the foreman until we had to give the verdict. Oh, really? So we went, to, had to do jury duty. I'm young. I'm like 23 or something. Um, what was the case? It was a guy who... It was a call based on like domestic violence uh-huh. with his girlfriend. And when they, when the police came to the house to respond to it, they found like a crack pipe in a sock uh-huh. that had residue in it. And even though she dropped the charges for the domestic violence, the fact is he so had a crack, a crack pipe, pipe um, with residue in it. And he had you like mean a glass rose. Sure. Yeah. And he, uh, 
had like a record. Like this isn't his first time. So basically it was like, was he guilty or not guilty did of drug use? Oh. And, but I, you know, you do, you go through the interview process with the lawyers and the judge explains things to you and then they decide to pick you. And this time right. they picked me. I was like, fuck, I was hoping to be in and out of there and just actually take the day off of work. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to be like, they have me all day because they paid for it. You know, right. I mean, as long not as you much, not much, but it's like $5 an hour or some shit like yeah, that. It isn't sucks. It? Yeah. Um, but with my job, I basically just give them the paycheck and then I just get paid normally. Oh, that was cool. So, yeah. So I'm just like, I'll just see. No. But nope. I had to do jury duty. So and how long was the case for? The case relatively fast. Um, it was just a day. Oh. Um, but we go back to the room and I said not guilty at first because I'm like, well, there was no actual crack in the pipe. So I'm like, he who because it was the intention to use like right. paraphernalia with intention to use and everyone's like no he's guilty he's guilty and they're like well intention to use is you know if there's residue residue in it that means that he has used it right so he plans on using again i'm like oh, okay that makes sense but i had to be kind of convinced because i didn't really understand right and then it was like time to pick the foreman and everyone's like you do it i'm like what the fuck <laughs> you guys were the ones saying guilty from the start right right and all you pussies <laughs> are gonna be like you tell this guy he's going to back to jail so i had to deliver the thing and i'm like we have your honor we find him guilty did you look right at him? You're like, guilty. No, because I, I, I almost wanted to go like look at him and say, please don't come out of jail and try and find me. It was them. It was all of them. Because the, I was like, young guy. I don't mind if you smoke crack, sir. Yeah, I don't. You know what? What you do in your own spare time is your own business. But the um, when the judge came in to get us, it was just a small county um, courthouse. Sure. When he came in, he's like, who's the foreman? And they said it was me. And he goes, I thought it'd be you. I'm like, what? He said, well, you're very articulate and you, you're very well spoken. I was like, all right, thanks. But if he comes after me, you're going to put me in witness protection, right? Oh God. (laughs) So I was scared. So anyway, so he was guilty, but your name's not even really Noah, is it? Nope. It's Oswald Cobblepot. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) We have to bleep that out. So nobody finds out. Oh no. Damn it. Yeah. I've never, I've never been, um, I've never been in, I've, have you had have you been summoned? I have, but it was just like a phone summons. Really? I've gotten letters a couple times. Yeah, so basically my whole process was like you go uh you get the you get the the letter and then you're supposed to call in. Oh, I did that, yeah. And then you call in on like for like three days straight yeah. at this particular time, and if they call you in, then you gotta like come within like two hours or some yeah. shit like that. Well you call before like normal business hours to give you plenty of time to call your your work your or whatever work. No, not mine, man. It was like, you basically call this in and then you got to show up within like two to three hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but I never, I never got called in or anything like that. Well, that kind to of be one. honest with you, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind going. It's not like I, to be honest with you, I'd want to go only because I'm curious. I'm curious to see the, the process that happens. I'm mm. curious to see if I got picked to be on a jury and what that whole experience actually feels like. I don't understand why everybody's just like, Oh God, I gotta go to jury duty. It's your, it's your civic duty, man. Yeah. Like you got a lot of fucking freedoms. You know what I mean? Like do your fucking duty. And you would want impartial people being chosen. Exactly. If you were, you know, if you got into DUI and you hit somebody and now you're on trial or something like that, you'd want the same fucking thing. You know what I mean? At some point, you don't want career jurors because you know, they would, 
that's a get their jollies off or yeah, who knows they'd be jaded so they don't with with forcing people to do it you are eliciting the emotions that you're right. supposed to have mm-hmm. you know it's up to, to the lawyers to admit reasonable doubt or not right to prove it right you know and that's kind of interesting and i don't think people have a grasp of that Right, because I feel like, uh, and this is one thing that I thought the movie was really great at, okay, it was that our system is built on this idea that you have to prove without... If there's a little bit of a doubt, you have to you say not guilty. You have to say not guilty, you know, and without that's what a reasonable a lot of people doubt. don't get. You right. know, when, what's her name, the, <clears throat> the girl who her daughter was in her trunk and died, was that Casey Anthony? Shit, I don't know, man. Yeah, they, her daughter was dead in the trunk, her little uh-huh. girl. And, but the, but during the trial, the prosecution couldn't prove specifically when the daughter was killed and Uh how, right? Because there's so much tampering and stuff like that. She could have just crawled in the trunk and closed it. Well, the the fact was pretty much anybody, I mean, the, the, the common thought was like, of course she did it. Of course she killed her daughter because it was like so fishy. Right away. It was so fishy because I think she also reported her kidnapped. And there's just so much weird stuff about it where it's like either she killed her or she helped kill her. But because the prosecution couldn't prove, you know, without, without a- reasonable doubt, they had to say not guilty. And oh, my God, social media went nuts. Like our justice system is <sighs> fucked up. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. I don't think she's innocent, but... That's our system. Mm, that's this. There was reasonable doubt. There's yeah. you couldn't prove when it even happened, and that's a huge thing, right? And I just think a lot of people, even with like OJ, mm-hmm. dude, the thing that got him off. One of the things was that the police guy, like the Mark Furman, was crazy racist. Oh shit! So and so the fact that's why he had to plead the fifth, and that killed the prosecution's case, and that mm-hmm. hurt him because like this guy had all the evidence that OJ killed Nicole theoretically, but he has to plead the fifth because they're going to ask him about his racist tendencies. Right. So he has to plead the fifth on, if you do it once, you have to plead it for every question. You can't just pick and choose. You literally, your entire, and that's why there was an article out there when Trump was getting divorced from his first wife, Mm -hmm. um, saying, Oh, well this guy was a liar because he look how, how many times he, you know, pleaded the fifth about being in, you know, infidelity and all this stuff. But I'm not a Trump apologist whatsoever. I just, for the record, not a fan. However, you have to, if during any trial, if you do it once, you have to do it for every single question. That's crazy. You literally cannot pick and choose um, because that implicates you further. So it's kind of a catch 22. Right. right. If there's certain things that you're going to say, I plead the fifth. It's like, all right, so you're guilty of the thing that we think you are. You think, though, just because you're pleading the fifth, you are guilty? Not necessarily, but there's the problem is if you know, if you know or if your lawyer knows that there's something, mm-hmm. whether it's, it could be just a character flaw, like Mark Furman could have not tampered with the evidence, could have not planted stuff. He could have legitimately found everything to show that for sure OJ did it. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that he's been on record of being super racist and kind of doing shady shit in the name of the law. And, and like they knew that the, like the defense knew that that was going to be a thing brought up because that casts a reasonable doubt. You have, you know, they tell you like 
don't say anything. So it kind of just is an overall blanket. It doesn't necessarily mean guilt or not guilt. It just means there's something that could make you look bad. Gotcha. So bad that that fucks up the case. Right, right, right. And that's why. Oh, that's crazy. So it's again, probably for sure Trump cheated on his first wife. Mm. I think we've heard audio that he has no problem. Just yeah. marriage ain't a thing. Just grab him. By the pussy. Grab him by the pussy. You just do it. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, there may have been other stuff in that testimony that he didn't do, but because he had to say it once. There you go. He had to say it every time. Gotcha. That's crazy. But, it, yeah, I think this is like kind of to your point. I think this is interesting with the justice system. And it's kind of ahead of its time. Uh, I really think so, too, man. I, because you 1957, know, civil right. rights weren't till the 70s. They made right. him ambiguously minority. Right. Which right. played into one of the characters being implying that he was racist yeah totally i mean like, you know I those people about, it was such a f- you know such forward thinking on lumet's you know um or whoever wrote it well not only that just you know in the direction of that yeah. scene you know this guy's going on his racist rant and everybody was turned against it's just turning away from that guy like whoa that's why you think he's guilty yeah you know what i mean because you know because he is and this is how these people are you know they're they're just like this they're they're born in it this is what they says right and it's just like i love that everybody was just like hmm that's big and, for back then. And they were in their thirties and forties. Right. And the thing that I love the most about that particular scene is that, you know, there's certain things that he's saying in his rant that certain people that you're watching in that room and they're all getting up for different moments. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the old man is, you know, he, he hears something within it, you know, not the very beginning of the conversation, but he's, he hears it and he moves away. And then as the rant consistently goes, you know, they, you can see them that there's certain things he's saying that's getting everybody. Mm. You know what I mean? They're not all on the same exact things, which two things happen to which me. Which shows with- different types of racism. <clears throat> right. Which I thought was really, really interesting. You have a moment where you get people that are staying for certain things that are like, okay, I can kind of follow you through this, but then there's certain things that just know by the very end of it, all the prejudices that were coming out, everybody's just like, no, I I can't, I can't Mm -hmm. back you. And they basically, those three things about that type of people is true, but the fourth one, not at all. (laughs) But that's basically what it felt like without ever saying anything, which I thought was very honest. I think so. I really Because a do. lot of people have, I mean, everybody has prejudices about something. Something, one thing over the other. Once again, know? based on their life experience, one thing they can in, indirectly decide like, well, that's kind of accept like, well, that's just kind of how they are. Right. And that doesn't make it right, but that's just kind of human nature where you car- mm-hmm. compartmentalize things. Yeah, exactly. And you I mean, kind it, of, it all comes, you know, how you were raised and where you were raised and interactions and da 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 all that type of I stuff. I thought that was fascinating know? too. I did. Great I did. directing and there. He basically, you know castrates himself <laughs> totally out of the group and puts himself in the corner, you know, the dunce mm-hmm. chair more than anything else. Yeah. And I think what I love the most about this scene particularly is that in the moment he, as he's going through his rant, he's realizing that he's digging himself deeper <laughs> and deeper and deeper into the hole yeah. with everybody. Like he's guys, right. Walking. Come on. <laughs> Nobody's with me. Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Please. Come on. Come on. I heard what you said the other. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Don't were, turn your back to me. Don't let these guys, you know, I'm right. <laughs> exactly. And nobody wanted to be in it. And I was like, for you guys, you know, and I, I thought it was really, really cool to see something like that. And again, like to your point, this 1957. Yeah, man. It's like, holy shit. And that was done in 1955 too. Like that's crazy. 20 years before civil rights. That's crazy, man. 
I love, and this is why I love art. Art is one of those things that you can push the culture into thinking something a little bit um, different. You know what I mean? And I kind of, I mean, the producer side of me knows why it happens now, but it's like, I kind of wish this is the time when I was watching. I'm like, this is where the whole perception that Hollywood is liberal comes from uh-huh. because it's very progressive for its sure. time. But nowadays Hollywood is very conservative. Eh, like yeah. fiscally conservative, fiscally, yes. like everything. And you make money based on what the audiences want. You very rarely, unless it's an independent, very rarely are you pushing people forward or pushing thought a lot of, I'm talking like tent poles. Sure. We're very much like was middle America. Like, right. Let's right. make more of this. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it makes sense. And this Egypt movie would be great, but you know what we need to do? Cast a bunch of white people in it. <laughs> I, if only we could cast a bunch of pe- white people for 12 years a slave. How do we do this? We could make so much money. <laughs> We're going to make a remake of Roots playing Toby, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wins the Oscar for that one. <laughs> <laughs> a white man playing a black man. It's oh, the no. jazz singer. Um, what do you mean, you people? Yeah, exactly. What do you, you mean, mean, you people? people. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love Tropic Thunder because it played so. Just heavily. because it's from the Jeffersons, don't make it not true. Yeah, exactly. They just it's just such a funny. I like when you can poke fun at this type of stuff. I feel like movies today are just. I don't know. I'm just gonna come out they're just taking shit just so serious all the yeah. time you did know you what see I mean? you it's saw like, the power on. rangers the trailer yeah there's, there's no campy whatsoever there's no winking it's the breakfast club yeah just outright with robots i'm okay with it though that's the best part i'm fascinated <laughs> when i saw the concept art and when i saw a little bit i'm like why are they taking this it's fucking like you got the putties uh-huh. that you're fighting. Yeah. You got Zordon. You got the Yellow Ranger. Surprise, surprise. Asian. Uh-huh. Pink Ranger. Girl. What? I was a little concerned when the Green Ranger turned into the White Power Ranger. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Thank God he's See, a good guy. I mean, here's the funny part. I never thought about any of that stuff. Growing up for me, it was just like, eh, whatever. No, you know See, what I, mean? I was a little bit. I was a little bit too old for Power Rangers, uh-huh. so I kind of looked at it kind of with like, are you fucking serious? Really? As opposed to the younger kids who are just like, oh my God, this is great. Let's karate chop my chair. Yeah, but I never, I mean, at the same time, you know, it's, I've never looked at those things and said, uh, oh, the Asian yellow, you know, the black Power Rangers in black, you know <laughs> what I mean? I don't give a fuck about any of that. The smart Power Rangers in blue because it's, you know, da da da. I never ever, to me, it was one of those things to the, to the point I was listening to a podcast, uh, Tim Ferriss podcast, and he was, um, he was interviewing Jamie Foxx, which if you guys have not heard the Tim Ferriss That's podcast, fantastic. with Jamie Foxx, absolutely where he's, where he's fantastic. playing piano. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic. He's so talented. I kind of hate him a little bit for that. Eh, uh, I'm Just kidding. I, I love you, Jamie Foxx. Motherfucker um, Jones. Motherfucker Jones. Um, but he was, you know, the, you know, he grew up during, during a very particular peculiar time um and you know all this race stuff keeps popping up popping up popping up and he asks his daughter who's uh i think she's like i don't know seventh grade or something like that pre pre pre-high school or in high school or early in high school or whatever 
around that age, basically. And he was asking her about like, Hey, what do you think about all this stuff going on? She, it was like the simplest answer. Like we, we don't think about it. It's not something that we care to think about. It's not something that we need to think about. We just don't think about it. You guys are the ones that think about it. His daughter said that. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. We Good. Just, that gives me hope. Yeah, exactly. Like, and to me, it was just one of those things where that's how I felt growing up, you know, because bearing in mind, like, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy, but I'm half Mexican. Yeah. And wait, I grew up, what? I know it's crazy. What? Yeah. This whole time. Yeah. Get out. No. Orale, Holmes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I grew up with, with a Mexican mom and a grandmother. I lived in a house of fucking 12 people. You know, we had all different types of people coming in and out. I went to a very diverse high school. Um, so I just, I did, I never fucking thought about it. It wasn't mm. anything that really was just like, oh, you're blank or you're Asian or you're white or you're smart or you're dumb or you're mentally ch- What I didn't ever think about that shit. You know what I mean? So when I actually watch stuff. I didn't think about it either. See it wasn't that? any of that. It, I just, your people. That okay, gives cool. me hope you because know? I grew up, you know, Michigan, um, very white. Sure. Where we would have like a Mexican student mm-hmm. in one of the grades and we had um, a black guy uh-huh. in my grade. You know, there was a Brazilian kid uh-huh. in there and we he had like baseball <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but and even in college, I went to college in Indiana and for one of the classes, for one of the communication classes, actually a couple of them is the same professor where she would have either you had to read this book and do a report on it or you had to go to diversity training and then have like an exit interview. And uh, of course, everyone's going to pick. The that. training instead yeah. of reading a book. What because was the book, by the way? It was, I don't even know. I don't even remember, but the fact to was. To kill a mockingbird? No, I don't even, <laughs> it was like a textbook type of thing. Got it. Which, you know, in college you read a shit ton of textbooks to the fact, and there's so many extra words so they can charge more. Sure. To the fact where it's like, I don't want to read another book. I have to do this. So I'll just go to the couple hour diversity training. But it was sense. a joke. It was an absolute joke because basically, and I had did it two years in a row because I had the same professor for two classes. Mm-hmm. And um, basically it was like, let's list out all the negative stereotypes about different races. You know, I went to a very diverse school cause they had international programs and things like that. And so people would list off stuff and it's like, okay, that's not all true. Let's list off the good things about our ethnicities. And people wrote the down. I'm like, but that's still, but that those are still stereotypes. Uh-huh. It's like, Oh, the, the Mexican dudes, like our family cooks, you know, really well. Our our food's great. I'm like, but so a lot of people. Mine. Yeah, my parents are really good cooks. But my point, like, the diversity training to me, and the first time I just, of course, in the exit interview, I was like, yeah, it's great because I wanted a good grade. You know, I was like, yeah, it's wonderful. I learned so much about myself. I have now for me. I've grew up in a family. Um, I have cousins that are half black, co- cousins that are half Japanese. A lot of family and friends that are just, you know, different races, different sexual orientation. American. So, well, yeah, but but where I grew up in that small town is very rare. Sure. Like, I had that kind of experience, but in my small town, super white people. Mm-hmm. Super white people. Uh, like, not with powers or anything, but um, but with the, <laughs> with the training, basically what it did is it taught you to walk on eggshells. Like, oh, if you see this person, don't bring up this topic because they're going to assume you did that because they're this ethnicity. And that sucks, man. Yeah, dude. So the second second uh, exit interview for the second year, I told her, I said, you know what? I don't I don't think it's good. 
She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, it just teaches you to walk on eggshells. And the, the point of that type of training should be if I look at someone and see like, oh, that's a black guy. What my first instinct shouldn't be is, well, I shouldn't be talking about basketball because or like hip hop, because then they're going to assume that I just did it because because of what they look like. But instead, I'm like diversity training should tell you if you see someone you're like, oh, that's a black dude. Your first thought should be like, I don't know anything about him. You know, like Mm -hmm. I don't that doesn't what you look like diversity training should be whatever you look like doesn't make you who you are doesn't mean anybody knows now you know if they're wearing like a dashiki and stuff like that you can kind of infer like oh that's an international student so therefore based on his culture blah 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 blah. but just an american student i don't know man i think um i think i disagree with you in a sense of i feel what's wonderful about our country is that we have a such a beautiful melting pot of culture that's here i mean we are basically a a migrant country that yeah you know what i mean like if you know anything about our history locals to the curb Right. But <laughs> like you can moreover, make casinos and that's it. <laughs> I mean, even moreover, you know, we basically fought our own independence from from uh, Britain and, you know, and kind of we, we we have a lot of people migrating over here. We got tons of people coming over all the time, yeah. you know, over years, you know, Irish, um, Arab, fucking Asian, whatever. You know what I mean? Just all over the place. South America, North America, da, da, da. all these different places are all coming over, coming over. And I think you give a disservice when, for me, I want to, like, if I see another culture that I'm not uniquely um, surrounded by, why Why do I, why couldn't I just be curious enough to ask well, questions? A culture is a different thing. I'm saying when it comes to, like, stereotypes, like, seeing a black dude and be like, I bet he loves Dr. Dre or I bet whatever. Like, I don't want to infer. I mean, that's a bad example, but sure. But you don't don't, want to infer just because he's a black guy that he likes Dr. Dre. Yeah. Right. Like, I I don't want any of those negative stereotypes or whatever. It's just because I don't want to assume I know the person that you are, I guess is my point more than the culture. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, but it's, yeah. You know, I think it's just one of those things where, I don't know. It's such a, it's but such I a like, touchy. I, yeah. It's so touchy at the same time. But I like celebration of culture and I like, I find I mean, that's, it. That's what we need. The, that's what we need. You know, like, yeah, you know, black culture is black culture. You know mm. what I mean? The, the, there's nothing to shy away from, you right. know, or Mexican cultures, Mexican culture and a Korean culture, Chinese culture, a Taiwanese culture, a Russian culture, whatever. You know what mm. I mean? Like those things are very rich in their own traditions and they bring those things over here. And I don't understand why we can't be curious about those types of things or even just talk about those types of things. Like if you're a Russian, I'm going to assume that you probably like vodka. So if I'm going to get inv- invited to a Russian house, I'm going to bring a vodka potentially. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I'd probably bring something from my own culture. You know what I mean? Like a Jose Cuervo or some shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is what I offer to you. You know what I mean? Or whatever, because I think that's the beautiful thing. As as Americans, we get to intermingle. Sure. And I think the thing that starts to bug me is that, you know, 
our race is this and our race is that. And, you know, and they feel like it's, it's separatism. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I'm like, Oh, well that gets kind of annoying. You go to Chicago. It's still super segregated. Well, I mean, I lived in Mississippi and it was still segregated mm-hmm. whether they talk about it or not. It's the same fucking thing, you know? And I, that's why for me, I just, I couldn't live there very long. I mean, yeah. and it's kind of funny that you say, because I live, I'm from here, you know, I'm from California, Southern California, not born, not born here, but raised here. Um, and then you're kind of from the Midwest, you know, like just a different in di- yeah. like We didn't take that. We didn't need to diversity training. They just didn't bring it up. We just kind of were all together, yeah. which is how you it should be. I, that's just how, well, at least. And you know what, man, maybe I just I keep thinking to myself, like, you know, I might be sounding very ignorant because like I've lived in such a bubble potentially, you know, I'm grateful for where I've grown up. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a small town. You know, we hit, we've, like I said, we've had a lot of diversity. We've had a lot of exposure to different cultures and we're all very co- connected to one another. And there was, you know, very minimal amounts of like racism, if you will, growing up Good. where I grew up, man. Good. Like I don't ever felt like, no, that dirty ass, you know, blah, 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 or blah, 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 you know, stupid, you know, blah, blah, blahs or whatever. I didn't hear that too, too much at least for me growing up. So it's just, it's interesting when you, when you have a film like this, you know, coming back to 12 angry men and it's such, it's in such a forward thinking, um, piece of art hundred percent that I'm just like, I'm grateful that somebody did make this because I promise you somebody watched that and was just like, Hmm, you know, I'm going to think about things a little bit differently because that's to me is you have everybody in there that, you know, majority of that fucking room was just like, I want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, I want to get out of here, man. I want to go home. I got other better things to do. I want to go. Come on. Get, well, let's get the hell out of here. Kind of like the one thing that changed their mind for everything kind of gave kind of gave me the feeling that there was one thing during the testimony that they're like, OK, he's guilty. And everything else was just can, you know, they was they just, just chose routine. the facts yeah. to like pile on to confirm their already decision. Right. I mean, they held on to, well, the lady saw it. You yeah. know, the lady saw that, at, you know, even after blah, the glasses blah, 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 thing, it's like she wouldn't lie. Like, well, right. She couldn't freaking see. But and even what I, the old guys like, well, maybe, you know, maybe she's not lying per se. Yeah, maybe but, she likes the attention. Yeah, and, that was a, that was really into the old guy. Really likes the attention. The lady, yeah. you know, likes the attention. You know, it's, it's a nice big, to be heard sometimes. Yeah, you know, especially then at that time. You know, they made a really interesting point about you know that old man is probably a nobody. Well, and also you look at the old men and look at women. Then kind of you know it was men. Men were men. Men were the head of the household. And right. so women usually were talked down to. And the fact that now she's being taken seriously, kind of like, well, this is different. This mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So <coughs> I think, um, you know, to that point, the the thing that I love about uh, Henry Fonda's character was that he didn't he, – he never pursu- – presumed to know that no. he was innocent. He never that, said he was innocent. His first line, he's just like, I don't know. Yeah, and that's something that kept coming up through the entire film that I was just like, good on you, man. Like, he's like, look it, I can't, I can't say that he's guilty because these things are kind of just things don't add up. You know, they're just not adding up to me. And he really had to fight for his point of view throughout this entire thing. And I think having that point that look, I don't know if he's innocent. All I can tell you is that I'm looking at these things. There's reasonable doubt up. Yeah. And the guy, you know, the, the, the ongoing, uh, theme that kept popping up 
throughout the the dialogue was just like it's look at the facts look at the facts and the irony was that guy was never looking at the actual facts he was just regurgitating what he, yeah. what was presumedly facts but not necessarily there's a lot of inferring fact. when exactly. it comes to the facts and what i love about the opening um like the second sh- no, not the second shot but like the the second when we get introduced to the courtroom to the jurors for the very first time and he's, he has a really cool shot of like the the judge it's really interesting to me because the judge looks like one of two things in my mind. Either he's just done, right? He's just like another day, another dollar going through, or he's just so exhausted through this process, you know? Um, But then we, we basically track and pan across the entire jury. And I love that if you watch each frame, each character in that frame, they're all telling us a different story. Yeah. Some of them are engaged. Some of them are probably thinking about Bored. what they're going to have for dinner. The other guy's fidgeting in his chair, hoping to get out of here to go to the baseball game soon enough. You know, like they're almost done. You get what I'm saying? And yeah. everybody's, you can see where they're at just on a basic camera roll yeah. and I was just like that's really 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 interesting from a visual standpoint and I love where it ends it's it's the kid the 18 year old kid with his hands folded and then the jury that's right there some of them are you know they don't even how close he is in proximity yeah. to them you know the and the look on his face when they left like his left. life is in his hands well, and their that's hands. ultimately what it is you know whether yeah. he did it or not um and he had a shitty lawyer yeah and yeah. was like i would have asked for a different lawyer right because he's a public defense and it's 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 more curious to me that you have a group of men that just went in there thinking about okay well this is a, this is easy. He did it. Done. Yeah. Right. Where then, you know, you have also that they're just taking what people are telling them as truth. Just taking surface value. Exactly. Like, quote unquote. Why would they lie? Why would they do it? Yeah. They were under oath. Well, maybe. Yes. They're they're telling you the truth based on what they know. That doesn't mean that it's it's based right. on what they perceive. Exactly. It doesn't what mean they that it's right themselves. Right. And I think to me, <coughs> having that opportunity to kind of look at that under a microscope with these men in a room and consistently ask the question, you know, this is a man that we are putting to death. Mm. Do we know in this yeah. room without a reasonable doubt that he is guilty? Yeah. Yeah. And if you have an iota of that, then we, we can't, yeah. we can't put this man to death. You yep. want that on your fucking conscience just yep. because why? Because you want to go to a goddamn, you know, a baseball game that's already gotten rained out anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just thought it was just such a wonderful, um, commentary for, especially even now, because the system hasn't changed really the, if anything's changed, it's all the same type of thing. We have people that get put in jail. Mm-hmm. Now I read an interesting article the other day about 40% of male, Black male teenagers will go directly to jail, right? The, their, their court stuff just gets streamlined so quickly. And as soon as you're in that system, you're right back in it over and over and over and over and over again. You ruin these kids lives and there's no rehabilitation that comes after that very, um, very well structured. You know, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I was watching a whole thing about that, about crime and punishment. Uh And when, you know, you look at, uh, how many black male minors get tried as adults, right? That versus white male minors. mm -hmm. 
Holy shit. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Infinitely more black miners get treated as adults or get charged as adults. Right. I think it's some like 40 something percent of them. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's ridiculous. It's, I want to say it's ridiculous. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. It's crazy. The institution this day and age has not changed. Right. It has not changed with the times. We have an institutional problem that unfortunately keeps this movie timeless. It really does. The only thing that's not timeless is there's no way you can sneak a knife Onto the jury and into the room on your person. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> well. Just kidding. Blame Osama. Dun, dun, dun. No. Um, but yeah, that's that's the only thing. It's so, kind of like in Die Hard where the old lady had the stun gun. You're like, mm, that can't happen anymore. <laughs> Gave it have clippers. Yeah. <laughs> Is those toenail clippers? Take them. Yeah. Toenail clippers. Those teeny tiny fingernail clippers. Who the fuck are you? Search your butthole. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it always my butthole? Search your butthole. Yeah. I just bring it because I want to get searched. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Do you have anything carried on you that's illegal? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Wink. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Search his butthole. It's the third time this week. Hey, Gary. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Hey, Carl. (laughs) Fancy seeing you, buddy. How's the wife? It's good. Snap. (laughs) It's good. She's good. good. She's good. I think we're going to have some meatloaf today. It's going to be, I'll bring you down some. Did did you put a matchbox car in there just for me to find this treat? Well, I felt bad the first five times. I'm like, you should find something. Yeah, exactly. There should be something in it for him. You can keep it for your kid. I was about to say, it's just like, you know, Timmy thinks it's going to be great. He loves the red. You did say this was the one that he didn't have, right? The special yeah. edition. You're like, oh, it's life size. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So, I mean, I I really enjoyed this film. I liked it for the social commentary because yeah, it still holds up today, it, totally. in my opinion. So, yeah. Anything else? I don't know, man. I think, I think we did it. Yeah, I think so too. There's not much. I mean, there's a lot of things. We I can think t- we really grabbed this movie by the pussy. Yeah, we did. We, yeah, we, did. we, we did. just did it. Yeah. You can do it when you're a star. That you is true. When you're a celebrity, up, you just walk up to a movie like this and just grab, grab it in the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and they like it. And they like it. They love it. They do it. You just, you don't even ask. Yeah. It's not sorry. Cine- this is we're such cinephiles. Totally cinephile locker room. Yeah, yes, my bad. No big deal. <laughs> just cinephile locker room doc. But yeah, I'd recommend it if you haven't. Oh, if you've yeah. never seen it, just watch it. I mean, it's, it's on the list. Great, you know, it's you on know? the list for like top courtroom dramas. Yeah, for... it's such a good mellow. What do they call mellow dramas? Right? Mm-hmm. It's a good mellow drama. It's simple. I like That's how what I uns- love. It's just simple. I like how it unspools and just a little layer by layer till yeah. you get to the center of it. And it's just I didn't even it's realize a slow burn. it. It's a slow burn, but it went quickly for me. Well, it's also a short movie. It's I think they said it's the shortest movie on the AFI it's list. It's an hour and thirty six minutes. Is that really the shortest one? Yeah. Really? Yep. Basically, it's the standard time for movies now. Well, not for like award-winning movies. Normally, they have to be at least two hours. Oh, really? Yeah. And also <laughs> nowadays, award uh, movies for award consideration pretty much all have to be rated R. What? Yeah. Because that because that seems more real. It's a whole perception. It's so bullshit. Oh. Which you'll see when we watch screeners that I get. There's some where you're like, you didn't really need to swear at all in this movie, but they do it to get that rated R to get nominated for Oscars. Really? You think it's all rigged like that? Oh, totally. That's sad. It is. 
I know you don't want to live in that world, but guess I want to live in this world, guys. I don't All right, let's talk like about this. something happy, Gary. What's making you hard? Do you want me to say mine while you're thinking? Yeah, man, because I've, I've been I've just been writing this week, so I really haven't been able to like sit down yeah. and like watch anything per se. I guess the only thing that's making me honestly hard this week it was something that I found today, which is basically a mashup of Luke Cage and Family yes. Matters uh, trailer. S- which, send that to me; I'll tweet it out on our page. Dude, it's probably one of the funniest things that I've seen in a while because I love Family Matters. It was like one of my favorite shows growing up, and they did a mashup so well uh. within it so i'd recommend checking it out if you want like a good nostalgic you know that steven urkel steven urkel wasn't even supposed to be the main character uh yeah but he's kind of he stole the show that they modified the show in the second season it was literally well, supposed yeah. to be about the family yeah but here's the thing though like i don't ever feel that steve urkel i mean he is like the comedic relief throughout the show but the show's about the winslows yeah, but later seasons where there's the Stefan brand. He becomes or... the brand of the show, yeah. but he does he's not the show. Mm. As weird as that sounds. Yeah. But I feel we all later we all wait for Steve yeah. I guess Did I do that? Yeah, I guess Got you're right. Cheese. I guess you're kinda right. No, yeah. I never really thought about it. It just that you way. could you watched it because I watched the show from start to finish. Yeah. I missed the final season or two when it switched from TGIF to CBS. Uh-huh. Comedy block party or something stupid. Oh, shit, I don't know, that man. and step by step moved to CBS for their last season or so. Right. Um, which is weird. It was on TGIF, yep, right? It was ABC's TGIF with Full House. Um Family they don't Matters. Do that shit no more. I know. Well, nobody watches on the weekends. <laughs> and no, right? Um, but but I didn't see that stuff. But yeah, slowly you watch it and it's slowly there's more Steve and more Steve and more Steve. And then there's Stefan and Steve, and then there's both Stefan and Steve that somehow he split. So it's both. And then you had the thing where he turned into Einstein, which is so strange. I mean, just it slowly <laughs> morphed into his show. Interesting. But, but yeah, um, what's making me hard. Yeah. Is HBO's new show Westworld. Ooh, it's so interesting. Have you heard of this? No, it's I think they're on the second or third episode. I watched the pilot um, and it's it's so high concept. It's basically you can pay money to go into this hyper-realistic Wild West world. So, like, they have... Is it, like, through Oculus or whatever? Or is no, it just... No, it's, like, basically, like, almost like the Matrix. What? But you go in and there's sort of... So, so you get transported into it, but also there's, like, tech support. Well, they'll come if there's malfunction. So it's almost like... I don't even know how to describe it. The There's characters. So there's, uh-huh. like, a hundred storylines. The guy who creates it like all the characters all the in the world in westworld all the characters have their own storylines and their interactions and then you can pay it's almost like a theme park you can pay to go in there to have sex with prostitutes or whoever you want to shoot people what all this stuff and but there's been glitches and there's been issues and it's ed harris is in it it's like a bad guy wow um Anthony Hopkins is it. It's like super it. interactive then. Well, yeah. I mean, they're basically people. Like, uh-huh. it's basically lifelike people that you can shoot, fuck, whatever. whatever? Whoa, and that's trippy. Yeah, it's really cool. What's it called? Westworld? Westworld. Huh. And it's... But it's... It, this, what I love about... What excites me about it. I haven't quite decided... If it's it's such a great premise, I haven't quite decided if I love the story yet because yeah, it's just brand new. Or not, yeah. It's just brand new. You sure. know, it's, I feel like it's one of those you have to see the first season to be like it's like a Red Dead Redemption, but you're actually just like in the middle but of you're it. You're in all? it. You're in it, wow. and the the characters think that they're real. 
Oh. And James Marsden is a character and all this stuff. I got to check this out. It's kind of hard to wrap my head around it really exactly is. what you're talking about, but I think I get it. Yeah. Oh, you have to see it. Okay. And it's super confusing the first little bit of it. But what I love about it is this is where HBO shines. Oh, they are made for high concept. But I feel like HBO in the past, because it needs to be a business, has resorted to shit that's going to sell a lot, which you have to do. Uh-huh. But there's been seasons where it's like, that's all they do. Gotcha. And they kind of lose sight of like, no, man, this is where we need high art. Doesn't always work, but it's we want people to think we want this to be intelligent shit. You know, mm. entourage kind of they leaned on that quite a bit, which is very pandering. It's luxury porn, you know, which is super fun to watch. Sure. I enjoyed it. But afterwards, I'm like, mm, I got nothing out of that, <laughs> you know, but gotcha. it was entertaining. And even with True Blood and stuff like that, it's very much for the masses. Right. And it's exciting to see them kind of go back to form of being this high concept like, I hope this wins awards. It's just, I want to reward HBO for doing something that's for trying like, something so different and out there. Damn, yeah. Nice, man. But it's cool. So it's exciting and it's really cool to watch. Cool. So man. I highly recommend it. And All right, I'll check it out. Super duper hard. <laughs> Donk. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, cool, man. I think that's it. That's it. Right. Man. We have some exciting so. we have some exciting announcements that we'll have coming down the line. Yes, yes, yes. Noah and I are working out some stuff for you guys. Hopefully we appreciate everybody that listens to the show. We want to be able to uh contribute Give you more. more good shit. Yeah, yeah basically. Something what it that is. you'll love and something that you can feel you're a part of and kind of build a community out of this. You got it. So hopefully by the next podcast, we'll be able to kind of start filling you guys in. Uh, so absolutely stay tuned. Make sure to check out all of our social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the website, all UFR podcasts. <laughs> and other than that, next week, Apocalypse Now. Oh, damn, that's a long so movie. So it's a feel good. You know, it's, it's a light. You know, we're going light for this. <laughs> Shit.